Welcome everyone to a new episode of Open World. I'm here with Ale and Lani. And today we have the pleasure to interview High Roses Localization Director, Estelle Bailey. We are extremely excited to have you with us today, Estelle. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for inviting me. Very excited to be here. Yeah, this is extremely exciting. Um, and I have the honor to ask you the first question. So here it goes. <laughs> what inspired you to pursue a career in linguistics? Oh, um, well, I've always been interested in um, having an international career. I wanted to be a, a diplomat, actually. So um, I thought that, you know, languages would open new horizons to me. So I studied German and then English. And after college, um, I thought about uh, maybe studying international business, but I wasn't too sure. So, and I was a good student. So um, I went to what is called in France, Hippocagne. Uh, it's a preparatory school. And um, basically once you've done that, um, you can apply to very elitist schools to have international careers or do politics, you know, fancy jobs. Well, depends what you like. <laughs> um but uh so the program is in two years and i did uh one month um so yeah uh, it was uh, my first failure um there were so many things to learn to be honest so many re uh, books to read uh, essays to write lots of things it was like being back to college but well and you're 18 and you want to have this student life you've been hearing about right you want to go out with your friends and do stuff still do some studies but you know um have a good balance and um so after a month i decided to quit and i signed up at uni uh to study english and german because that was the only two courses that i really enjoyed during this preparatory school so that's how it all began i think that you just it was just one month so like you, you, your decision was pretty quick compared to, I, yeah. I think like a lot of people like we yeah. started the career and then you're like a year or two and like oh, actually this is not for me but you were yeah, like yeah, immediately right. like no it's really cool and after one month you're like yeah diplomats not for me it's too <laughs> that's so cool yeah, I wasted like a year doing a career I didn't like and it took me a year to figure it out. So if you figure it out in a month, that's incredible. Yeah. yeah so sometimes yeah. you force yourself, like you you want to like, you're like, okay, I already made the decision. Like I have to do this or now, but you know, you don't. So it's always good to, you, you know. Yeah, exactly. Decided oh. to... Or maybe I was just too lazy to, you know, to to stay more than a month. I really enjoyed it. That was uni, something you, know, it was telling you you had to go a different way. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uni was better for me, I think. So could you describe how how was your journey in the world of video game localization and from where it all began to where you are now? Uh, sure. But so I was at uni and I had to work to oh, finance yeah. my student life. <laughs> it costs money. That's always um, uh, a good drive <laughs> forward. You know, I need money. <laughs> yes, I need money. Uh, I did various jobs. And then one day I saw this uh, offer at uni, actually. Uh, it was to translate video games. And it was in an agency not too far uh, from where I studied. So I thought, oh, that's perfect. And at that time, I played video games quite a lot. And I had never thought, it was uh, in 1999, Ooh. the last century. 
my god it's so good. okay anyway. wait but what do you remember what were you playing never mind uh okay. yes it was more uh so it was a uh, yeah more girly game but more like adventurous game uh seven's guest uh green fun van gogh Remember Green Fandango is Lucas Art. Yeah, it's the best one. Of course. <laughs> uh, yeah, these kind of games. I really liked it. And Seven's Guest. And I think the second one was Eleven Sour. It was not that good. Uh, Seven's Guest was good. I remember that one. And then console game like uh, um I don't know, the, the the Mario thing and, and you know the the, the but I, sorry, I wanted to ask, games. but I love that you remember all the games that you were playing. Oh yeah, yeah, sorry. no. And Grim Fandango is still I think one of the best games I've ever played. <laughs> and that was yeah, last century. Um so anyway, um yeah, I I didn't know there was a job who could um, reunite both my passions at that time, translation and video games. So uh, didn't know it existed, right? It, it was very a while ago. I mean, a long time ago. Anyway, long story short, I applied. I got the job. Uh, minimum wage, maximum working hours. You know, it was a true, um, how do we call that? A starter, you know? So uh, Putting your foot in the door. <laughs> And you do everything yourself, right? Um, so, but the team was lovely, very small. Uh, we would not outsource anything. Uh, and we were working almost nights and days, you know, seven days a week for sure. You know, on Friday night, you could go out, but then Saturday, you would be in the office. But I liked it. So it was very, a team of passionate people. So, and we all um, got along very well. So, um when i think about it today i think oh that was a bit crazy but uh actually uh i really enjoyed it at that time so um and because we were doing everything ourselves i learned so much i i really worked on all aspects of um the localization pipeline i think well obviously translation but um proofreading uh project management account management um, I even did some um, assistance for our direction in the recording studio, uh, also recruitment, training of the new hires, uh, going to convention, uh, meeting with clients, lots of things, and team management uh, toward the end. So uh, it was really hard work. Uh, I learned so much. I also discovered that I wasn't that good after uni. <laughs> you you know, at the end of uni, you're like, you think you know everything. Actually, you know nothing, but it's okay. You you learn. And I had a mentor and good people who um, were passionate enough to teach me stuff. Um, so I learned how to do it. And um, working in localization agency, it's, you adapt, you have to adapt uh, so many, uh, I mean, so much. Because during the day, you will work on six, eight different projects for as many different clients, uh, you know, jumping from uh, one translation guide to another, one tool to another. And um, one day my boss told me, well, once you know how to handle the pressure and the work in a lock agency, you can do anything then, and a publisher, developer in localization, because it will sound easy to you. And um, I was like, oh, really? Um, I want to try that. I want to go on the other side, actually. I want to. Be, you know, I want to see. I want to see if you were right. Yes, <laughs> I want to work less. Um, and so I tried to go to the other side to uh, developer or publisher several times. I was looking more at job in France, and uh, there was not that many opportunities. And each time I got the same 
thing, you know, I ended up in the last two candidates and uh, people say, oh, yeah, you have some experience, but you don't have experience as a publisher or developer, so we're going to pick the other candidate. And you're like, yeah, that's why I apply to get this experience, that's right? That's what I'm trying to get. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A typical cycle. Yeah. Like, you need the experience, yeah. but I need to get in to get the experience. <laughs> yeah, it's like when you're looking for an internship and you're like, yeah, but you're too junior. Yes, that's why I'm going to be an intern. Yeah, but you know, you, you have no experience. Yeah, it, it, it's it's always the same thing, right? So um, anyway, in parallel, I became a mom and uh, Paris is a lovely city, a very busy city. And um, it's great. Um, just if you want to have a family life, especially with young kids, it's not probably the best city you could live in. So with my husband, we decided that, oh, maybe I could apply somewhere else. You know, he's self-employed, so he just needed an internet connection, a good one, but yeah, that's convenient. So I started to apply to jobs in other cities and other countries. And um, that's how I joined Harris in 2016. Uh, I, um, I didn't know this company actually before applying to it, but um, the free-to-play um, model, uh, monetization model, really uh, uh, interested in me as well. So, um, well, anyway, I, I, I got the job once again, and we all moved to Brighton in the UK with the kids who couldn't speak a, a word of English at that time. Um, and that was quite an adventure, I yeah, have to say. How old were the kids? There were six, uh, six and eight. Yeah. Wow. Oh, in France, you start learning foreign language um, very late. That's why we are bad at foreign languages. Uh, but um, yeah, so when we arrived here, a teacher said, well, you know, after three months, they're going to pick a few words here and there. After six months, they're going to start to understand. And after a year, they'll talk. And that's exactly what happened. And now, you know, when I talk to their teacher and tell them uh, that um, their native language is French, they say, oh, really? Yeah. You know, they don't say, why, when the teacher hears me after five, after five seconds, you're French, right? <laughs> I wonder how you get it. <laughs> that's amazing. Anyway. Such a big yeah. change for everyone in the family, right? Yeah. Um, but it turned out good. Yes, exactly. So it was a great. That's amazing. Thing. I loved. I loved hearing like your whole journey into how you got to your current role. And now my next question is: What do you find most rewarding about your current role, and why? Uh, team management, definitely. Um, I like being a team leader. I started in France. I had a great team in France as well. Brilliant uh, project manager. I was very lucky to have them. And when I arrived at Hires. Uh, we, we developed the team, the localization team, and we had great people uh, joining and uh, learning with all of them. It was a multi, um, it's a multi-cultural um, uh, team, obviously. And that's so interesting. And I love being a team leader, taking care of people. Um, I think um, I've, I've always known I cared for people. I, I, I like caring for people, but uh, I think the older I grow, the more interested I am in human beings, you know, rather than projects. Sorry, no offense to high-res project. Still like our project, but I um, do love our people at high-res. So, um, and I think this really reflects um, my way of uh, managing people. You know, if you ask me, or if you, if you talk to me about OKR, 
do you work with OKR? Do you know what OKR are? Well, if you don't, you can Google it or just don't Google it. Anyway, it's just like setting objectives and, and to each of your team members, you know, in a, in a specific period of time. And you need to achieve this and that and that. And um, if you ask me to do this, I probably run away because I'm more like on the human side. Um, and I, 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 I am more, okay, tell me, uh, what are you interested in? You know, what kind of games um, do you want to work on? Um, what kind of skills do you want to develop, to focus on, you know? And I try to keep that in mind when I assign a new project. It's not always possible. I'm not saying, oh, I'm, the per yeah, I'm not perfect. <laughs> so uh, definitely it, it's not always possible to please everyone. Um, but uh, to me, if I can give a project manager a game they want to work on, you know, as a project, then I'm quite certain that they will do their very, very best to deliver an excellent job just because they will be motivated. Um, you know, some people say pressure makes diamond. I'm really not, I, I don't like that. I really uh, prefer um, motivation makes diamond. You know, that's that's my motto, actually. And let's say that when you're motivated, I think half of the job is already done. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it speaks wonders of you, honestly. You putting people first. I mean, nowadays and in this industry in particular, it, it speaks wonders. So yeah. I try to do it. Not I'm not saying I, I try, Yeah. I mean, but, but you are trying at least. I mean that's something. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. So, well, so yeah. Yeah, I have the next question. Um, and how has your career evolved over the years and what lessons have you learned along the way? Oh, uh, well, as I mentioned earlier, I think I did all the roles I could possibly do. I believe in the video game lock industry. Not that I can't learn anything anymore, uh, not. but, uh, you know, from translation, proofreading, project management, recruitment, uh, yeah, I even did some LQA at some point, well, on casual games, and it was in my early years. Uh, but yeah, team leader and now log director. Um, yeah, that's already quite a lot of things. There must be uh, other things I, I can do. But um, um, the lessons, I would say a uh, few lessons. Well, motivation. Motivation is key. Try to motivate your team. Um, you know, that's how they will want to, uh, to stay in your company, not necessarily stay in your team, but at least, you know, um, make them feel part of, um, um, they, they, they belong to a, um, a, a group, a team. I think that's important, um, to focus on their motivation and on yours, your motivation, your own motivation as well. Uh, and obviously communication, communication is key, uh, Work life, private life, communication is always key. I keep saying that to my kids. Um, and communication is key, not always when it's uh, bad, you know, to 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 uh, um, to talk about things that went bad. You know, uh, if things go well, say it as well. You know, because uh, like uh, when you work with a, a vendor, you know, don't be uh, too shy. You know, and and send them an email when you're happy with them delivering the job. So uh with uh, good reactivity or because they respected all instruction or because it went well it's not because you don't have you know a bad comment to say just 
that you shouldn't communicate with them. So um, yes, communicate um, when it's when you're not happy, but also when you're happy. It's important. Communication skills. This is such a good. This is such a good point because I feel like feedback. A lot of times, it's like you just give feedback when something wrong is happening, and so the yeah. other person might feel like, "Well, I'm doing everything wrong." Like how. You know, but that you just a little scary. like positive yeah. feedback might, might give them that motivation, like you were saying. You no, know, like okay, I'm doing right? a good so, job. Like yeah, and when you're French, you know, French tends to focus on the negative. Oh, you should have done better. This, that, and oh, this is not really good. This is not, you know, it's not really the positive education, <laughs> even at school. You know, so uh, I think it's really important that uh, once in a while to. Uh, um send an email just to say thank you for your commitment thank you for being there because you know um you're really part of our success as well so um it's it's good to say that and also send feedback when they didn't deliver you know exactly what you were expecting as well you know because otherwise they can't know they have to improve obviously um another and that's something that you need yeah. to know how to do as well right to to yes. give that that feedback the best yeah. way possible yes yes exactly exactly and uh, also to accept the feedback but yeah definitely it's it's super important uh, communication uh, but yeah be uh, be humble as well you know always don't be afraid to be uh, uh, too vulnerable i think uh, especially when uh, when you're um, in the leadership team um yeah you can't know everything. You can't have the answer to every single question or, you know, you can't solve every problem. You're not perfect. So, uh, yes, accept it and try to, uh, yeah, just uh, be humble and be open to, you know, you can learn from everyone anytime. So, um, yeah, well, overconfident people, you know, tend to make me feel very uncomfortable. That's my imposter syndrome. <laughs> So yes, humility is key. I prefer humility in human beings. And also, don't be an asshole. Yes, you know that's uh, one of our motto at Harris. Don't be an asshole. Um, yeah, I no, really like this message. Yeah, it's well, good, it's usually it's like confidence that gets praised, right? Like you have to show yourself like really confident, like you know everything, and like yeah. well, also you can you know be humble. It's also really like being humble is also really really important. Like, yeah, it shows because, it shows know, really good things. Like uh, for me, at least, like you know, when I see a leader that is is humble and it's open to learn new things, like you were saying, you're like, oh, well, okay, this is, you know, it's just we connect a bit more. I think. Yes, exactly. And uh, yeah, don't don't be an asshole. Be nice with others. <laughs> Assholes they never win in the end, well, except in politics. But you know, yeah, that's another <laughs> discussion. Just another um, topic. Oh, yeah. And the last thing I would say, it's maybe uh, this is just work. Yeah, uh, it's important as well to remember that, because especially when um, you know, if you're like me and tend to feel like an imposter and then you tend to push yourself to work, you know, as hard or as much as possible, because you want to show to people that, yes, I belong here. I deserve my promotion or, you know, you you uh, you want to prove something to, to others, um, then the burnout is never really, um, you know, too far from you. And so learn to stop before it's too late. Uh, I went through burnout as well in my uh, early years in, in France, and um, that's really not something you um, you want to, <laughs> to go through. Uh, it's not nice. 
um, and it takes time to recover. So uh, we're not saving lives. Uh, we're just doing uh, video games, right? So it's cool. It, it's really cool, but just don't forget it. You just, it won't change anything if you answer this email in half an hour. Just uh, go for a walk, short walk. Oh my God, yes. Get a break. Yes, yeah, Preach. yeah, uh, I mean. <laughs> I uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's just you would be so much more productive and um yes don't need to answer your email constantly because I was like yeah I would not you know I would stay in front of my desk not going to toilet mm. somewhere to go and, and get food and you know just because I thought oh if I go back to my desk there would be so many emails to answer and you know I need to answer right away because the clients need to know I'm on it I'm on it you know that was always my my work I'm on it you know and yeah and actually yes I'm on it but I can be on it like in half an hour and um, uh, take care of yourself as well it's uh, really important and I think after COVID years um, oh my god yeah to realize uh, a bit more uh, that it's important but uh, it's definitely um, the most important thing yes uh, your mental yeah health absolutely and, uh, absolutely yeah. and uh, yeah yes because and because I've been working on my imposter syndrome recently, I try also to be more gentle with myself and to accept that, yeah, I'm not perfect. Uh, and some people in my team know more than I do. And I, actually, it's fine. <laughs> Probably it's because, uh, um, you know, I was good to, enough to hire them. <laughs> so <laughs> I hired the right people, probably. And I shouldn't be afraid if, they are better than me. Um, yeah, I try to be more comfortable with my weaknesses as well. And uh, it takes time, uh, not going to lie, uh, but being um, there. That's yeah. such a good point, I believe, like yeah. uh, being gentle with yourself. And you know how people say all the time, this, this things like how we uh, lift, uh, we're like so used to lifting other people up. and. Uh, how a lot of things when something happened or we're in a situation we talk to ourselves like we would never talk to a friend like we talk to ourselves and it's like well how is that possible You're, we're not being that compassionate I with think, our own yeah. like selves we don't have a lot of friends <laughs> <laughs> no i mean it's it's so important because also um I believe after COVID and remote working and everything, it, it was just harder to separate your personal life from work, you know? And for me personally, I have to constantly remind myself, it's just work. Like tomorrow yeah. is going to be okay. If you send this like two hours later, it's, no one's going to die. <laughs> so it's just like... Yes, yes. That's, uh, my manager and parents used to say that all the time. And I keep saying it because it's true. Like, uh, yeah. No one will die. It's just, uh, yeah, and it's just work. It's just, yeah, and it's just games. But uh, yeah, even games are important. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. But um, yeah, no one will die, and that's uh, that's the most important thing. So Estelle, um, many people experience imposter syndrome, right? At some point, beginning or even when they get a high position, but you have presented some excellent talks about this subject, right? So I don't know how to phrase this question, but maybe it would be what strategies or techniques have you found effective that you'd like to share with us in fighting these feelings of inadequacy, self-doubt? I don't know. You take it from whatever you want. Okay. Oh, 
first, allow me to, um, because of the terminology, you know, because of our tra my translation background, so it's going to be a terminology yeah. um, minute. Um, yes, of course. I know we all say imposter syndrome. I do say it all the time. Um, in fact, yeah, uh, the official historical term is imposter phenomenon because it's uh, or imposter experience because it is an experience um, rather than. Um, when we say imposter syndrome, it makes feel it makes people feel that it's a clinical um, diagnosis, which is not. So the the right term it should actually be imposter phenomenon. But that's end of the parenthesis. Uh, imposter syndrome is the term that is widespread indeed. Just uh, and in, and indeed just to um, to confirm uh, what you were just saying. Uh, it does affect 70 to 80% of the uh, global population at one point in their life. So um, if you do feel this way, uh, you're not alone. And I'm here. Actually. Uh, I have to I'm say that I love that it's a phenomena, right? It, yes. it, it sounds more interesting than something clinical, that something is actually yeah. wrong with you. Yes. So we should yeah. spread around that it's Imposter phenomena, not <laughs> syndrome. Yeah. yeah, I try to use phenomenon in the rest of the interview. But yeah, so talking about um, some tips or strategies or things I've learned with my research and my training so far, um, the best one, the, what I find is the best one, at least to me, is to consider myself as a work in progress person. You know, someone who is constantly learning things. And then it allows you to make mistakes. It allows you to accept that you're not perfect because no one is, you know, you're not perfect, sorry team. <laughs> and I'm not perfect. Um, it allows you as well to, um, yeah, to, to, um, to accept uh, that good enough is actually uh, quite excellent. You know, it's it's just not. Uh, it's just sometimes you know, as an imposter, you just oh, it's I'm not good enough. Well, actually, you are, and and good enough is good because you can't be perfect. So, um, it's yeah, considering myself as a work in progress person is actually one of the best advice I received, and I keep repeating it to myself. You know, very often when I don't have the answer, I'm just like, hey, it's fine. I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm open to learn. You know, and just. Yes, I keep learning every day from everyone. So that's fine. Um, don't be afraid. Uh, we mentioned that earlier as well, but you know, to ask for feedback, uh, to, uh, uh, to ask for help. Wise people actually ask for help. Um, there's nothing to be ashamed of um, and to, to be vulnerable as well, you know, especially as a leader, but not only as a leader. It's, uh, yeah. The, Asking for feedback is actually a, a good way to uh, to know where where you are uh, versus uh, where you think you are, and there might be a, a big difference, especially if you if you feel like an imposter. And uh, be gentle with yourself, because yes, believe it or not, but uh, you are entitled to make mistake uh, once in a while. So um, don't be too uh, hard with yourself. Self compassion, as I mentioned that in my talk. Uh, you know, if you're good at being an imposter, you probably suck at self-compassion <laughs> and uh, you should uh, consider self-compassion as a new friend, actually, you know, because um, it can really help you to um, 
silent those um you know the negative self-talk um, message that pop up in your mind each time the imposter syndrome imposter phenomenon is triggered um you know well i'm not good enough i don't deserve my role what am i doing here oh, i feel so stupid they know more than they know better than me you know they are better than me you know all these negative thoughts um they don't define you and um you know self-compassion try to be more gentle with yourself really important and of course um talk about it um normalize it break the silence it sounds easy uh say like this but in fact when you've spent most of your life trying to hide that you feel like an imposter try to hide trying to hide your one of your biggest um weaknesses it's not that easy to talk about it but it's really worth it and also consider the source right try to contextualize the imposter phenomenon are you the only woman in this board meeting or the only person of color are you a student you know who is constantly um uh, whose skills are constantly assessed yeah exams tests um are you the first graduate in your family do you work in a creative field uh, in a highly competitive field or in a field you know with um everything changes where everything changes so rapidly you know we talk about ai a lot at the moment and i think uh you can quickly feel overwhelmed you know if you work in this field um so there are lots of societal and uh, situational factors to take into consideration if you want to get a bigger picture of the imposter phenomenon but that's, um, a, that's a, such a great point that you just made yeah. uh, so because uh, like alia said before you know the thing about like oh is there something wrong with me and a lot of times you can explain it like you were saying like with the context as well like there's a lot of things you know inequalities in our society and yes uh in the in the private sector you know companies and uh, leadership roles so a lot of times it makes kind of like it makes sense that people feel that way because they're not actually being represented there's not other people like them in the room so it's really hard not to feel like, you know, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly it, it has a lot to do as well with diversity inclusion equity and uh yeah, it's, uh, yeah some passion. yeah and like you were saying, talking about it, I think as well, like, you know, like, you know, the phrase like fake it till you make it. And then people just feel like they're faking all the time because they can't really feel like they deserve what they're doing. They know what they're doing. And uh, I was very shocked, like, also for everyone that's listening, how we met Stelle was one of her, her talks at, at a conference. And I dare to say it was one of the most popular talks in the a conference. It's, uh, the, the room was full. Everyone was so interested in participating. And then, you know, when you were asking people to raise their hands, everyone was like, had any, yeah. like, any, like, different parts of your talk, they were feeling represented, they were feeling like everyone in the room. So you can tell how many people actually feel this way. And, you know, I've done these talks uh, several times, and each time uh, I can't help but being um, surprised but in a positive way um, to see how um, actually people in the audience feel comfortable to uh, open up about their own imposter experiences you know at the end i tried well we didn't have that enough time in the talk uh when we met uh because it was limited but i did another one with more question at the end and i tried to do i'm not a medical expert right or so uh, the the, uh, the q a at the end is more like an open discussion uh, for people to um 
um, yeah, share their experience if they want, and you know, rather than real, uh, oh, what should I do when I feel like the, you know, this is just, a, um, and each time it, it's, it's, uh, yeah, people really open up and and uh, talk about their experience in front of people they've never seen before, you know, and sometimes in front of their old colleagues as well, you know, who discover that, oh, that's how you feel, you know, so that's gives a lot of discussion as well. It's super interesting. It's, um, yeah, it's uh, topics I'm really passionate about. <laughs> yeah, I can talk about it for- You're very uh, passionate as well. This is- Thank you. But, you know, so I've, I've completed, uh, I've just completed um, a new uh, training. Uh, it's actually an imposter syndrome informed coach. I can coach now. Uh, and it was delivered by the Imposter Syndrome Institute, who's actually um, uh, co-founded by Dr. Valerie Young, and she's the absolute expert on the topic. And the conclusion of um, this training was actually the only way to stop feeling like an imposter is to stop thinking like an imposter. You know, people who don't um, experience uh, imposter phenomenon, they just think differently when facing a challenge. You know, they are not more intelligent or more capable or more competent than people with imposter phenomena are. It's just that they think differently. And um, yeah, I think it's a good thing to keep in mind. Yeah, I mean, um, nice little I, switch. Yeah, I, I started yeah. like early in my life doing some sort of switch. Um, I still suffer imposter syndrome. Yes. I still have that monster in, in my bedroom. It's still there. Um, Are you a monster? I call it yeah, it's time. a monster. Uh, no, it, mine is a monster because it haunts me all the time. It could be a ghost too. Like <laughs> You just throw the Halloween theme there. Like, yeah. You have to turn it into a friendly Perfect monster. Halloween like costume. Color. The imposter syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, uh, I, I started doing something about... I, I'm really hard with myself, you know, um, so every time I, I, I make a mistake, usually I will go like extremely, like super hard on me. But then I, I, I realize that if I don't make that mistake and I'm not allowing myself to learn from that mistake, yeah. how, how else I'm going to learn? So um, I just, that's something that like, I don't know, it dropped in my mind one day and I was like, oh, well, it's not that bad then. Uh, but it's so hard, so hard. I, I always try yeah, to yeah. like remind, remind myself it's extremely hard. It is extremely hard, that's for sure. But it's worth uh, trying to, um, yes, remember that because you've done this mistake that you are who you are today. You know? Sorry, it sounds a bit cheesy, <laughs> but it's true. And that's, uh, and you, you learn so much from your mistakes it's just uh, you have to do mistakes otherwise yeah. you know you would never really improve or change or you know it's uh, it's part of the experience the whole life experience i think and uh, um and during the uh, the training oh, i can't i forgot the word, the the name of the guy but um we talked about this um a tech talk about the guy uh, who thought about the, we are talking about the importance of failure and uh, the way you could see uh, how, you know, failure actually help you uh, grow up and help you grow. And um, and this guy actually presents himself only 
with this player, you know, rather than uh, I'm going to try that in my next talk, I think I noted that down, but I want to try, you know, when you do this uh, a talk or presentation and introduction on you, you, you say, you, you would say, oh, I've done this and I've worked there and, you know, I've worked on that many projects and so it's all, all your achievements, right? Yes. And then when you see these TED Talks, it's just like focusing on, yeah, no, I'm I'm not the best one. Oh, I failed this. I tried this and yeah, it didn't work. Or I had this company, well, you know, I had to uh, close it down. So, uh, and that's what I learned, you know, and um, that's another way of presenting yourself. But I think that's so much uh, better. <laughs> that's my, my opinion. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I really liked it. I was just like, yeah, actually, you know, you people know about your achievement. They could just go to your LinkedIn profile and they have your I achievement, right? Because you sell yourself, right? If you send a, your, your CV to a recruiter, you might not just list your failure, obviously. <laughs> um, but uh, I really like the, uh, yeah, this, the way of uh, introducing yourself or presenting uh, who you are um, in an audience to an audience and see how they react as well. So, yeah, that's, um, if I do another talk soon, I would try to do <laughs> I love that. It's so cool. Um, yeah. So I have the final question for you, Stel. Are you ready yeah. for it? Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, what advice do you have for those aspiring to follow a similar path in the video game localization industry? Mm. Uh, that's a tough one. You can do the, the, <laughs> the tough one for the It end. is the last one. So, <laughs> um, My background is a translator. It's translation, right? So first I was a translator. So um, if someone wants to be a translator right now or aspire to um, to follow this kind of path, uh, my gut feeling would be uh, pick another career path, maybe if you still can, or at least uh, be prepared, be prepared to evolve, you know, in your job as uh, quickly as the technology or AI uh, does. Um, but I, I don't want to be too negative, pessimistic here, just realistic. You know, if the technology changes, you need to adapt. You need to work with the machine, not against it, right? So, um, but talking about it, actually, last week, I had a realization. Yes, <laughs> it happens sometimes. Uh, you're familiar, <laughs> do you know uh, Asterix, you know, the comic books, Asterix and Obelix? Yes, yeah. Asterix and Obelix. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, you like it. Well, I don't oh, know if yeah, you yeah. like it, but you know. You know yeah. yeah. The little so, guy um, and the big guy. Yes, I was in France, and uh, so the, 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 the new Asterix was out. The I think in English it's the white iris. Um, I bought it. I read it in French. And um, now I'm actually desperate to uh, buy the English version. I need to, to order it. Uh, there are so, so, so many references, like cultural references to the French culture, songs, proverbs. Obviously, all the names of the characters are puns and, and reference to French uh, persons or, or, you know, culture. So honestly, it's full of it. So reading it, I was like, Oh, I hope translators uh, had notes and contextual reference. I'm sure they had, obviously, for such an <laughs> important release. But when reading it, obviously, I thought with my translation um, mind. And um, so I want to read it in English now because I want to see which miracle the translators had accomplished, to be honest. I think even for the English version, you would need a British English version, uh, an American English version, Australian English version, you know to adapt this 
Asterix properly, you know, and I checked, I think there's only one English version, which is sad, but I really want to see uh, what they've done. My, my point is, so my, my realization was actually translators, yes, they have a future, you know, <laughs> it's good. <laughs> I'm sure you're ready. Um, That's no, a great takeaway. No, but I mean, yes, because one of the most important aspects of translation, you know, is all the cultural and linguistic context of, of the text, right? So, um, yes, AI has made amazing progress in natural language processing. Uh, I won't deny it. I can't deny it. It's just, you know, but AI is still unable to get all the nuances of a culture or a language, you know, like uh, idioms, yeah. proverbs, puns, jokes. Um, I mean, while AI can be useful in certain fields for language professionals, it cannot replace, I think, the expertise and um, the cultural awareness of a human translator, at least for now, right? So yeah. um, what I'm trying to say is that most probably my job, um, because it was a question. So yeah, my job, as it's been over the past decades, or it's still today, will keep changing, evolving, you know, as new technologies, new, um, well, and AI progress are used. So probably for students today, it might be more useful to study uh, linguistic engineering, maybe, you know, if such a thing exists, or if you're not really into IT, to focus your studies on the cultural aspects of languages to become a cultural expert, because we will keep needing that, you know, and uh, our chance in the video game industry, I think, is that the texts we translate are mainly uh, creative, and our human expertise adds massive value to the final localized products. And I said earlier, you need to work with the machine, not against it. So you also need to know yeah. where your added value is. And as a video game translator, your added value is most definitely in the knowledge of all the linguistic nuances and the cultural references of your native language. Yeah. That's so, yeah, I think that's a great, that's a great um, advice, that. like, you know, adapt and there's a lot of changes happening in the industry. So yeah. we'll see what the future holds for us. Exactly. <laughs> I think we're all like this, lots of uncertainties, right? Trying to navigate, <laughs> but it's, it's, uh, it's still, yeah, uh, uncertain at the moment, but. Um, Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, Estelle, thank you so much for joining us. This was a great episode. I'm sure everyone listening will agree and uh, uh, all your advice is uh, very valuable. So thank you so much. Thank you. Well, thank you for inviting me. I had a great time. So um, yeah, hopefully everyone had too. And, I mean, uh, I had a great time too. So I've been there. <laughs> and you know what? That's all that matters. Thank you so much. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> thank you so much, Stel. It was amazing. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Goodbye, everyone. Bye.